Hi, this is Gary Van Wormerdam from PathwayToHappiness.com and here with Daniel Moore, who's going to interview me and draw out some answers, perhaps, to questions he has. Uh, and we'll see if we can cover something helpful and interesting. So, Hi, everybody. Uh, yeah. Thanks for the interest, Daniel. Uh, I you, think Gary. I think want to talk about want to talk about journey of the soul, and I want to talk about like domestication and what we're trying to do with just being happy in our life, and and why that's such a struggle, and what we're actually doing, and why what we're sorting through it, emotions and beliefs and thoughts and relationship drama and, and trying to clean that up and make our lives better so we're happier and so that's and and does that relate to the journey of the soul and where are we going today i think it does relate and let's start with what you want to talk about what you want to start with so you know, my my website is called pathway to happiness because when i looked at well, when I was in the midst of my drama and pain and I realized some things, I was like, what do I want in my life? I want to be happy. I want to be happy no matter what. And for people that, and I didn't know exactly what that meant at the time, but I knew I was miserable. Right? Relationship drama and burned out in my job and unfulfilled but happiness can have many varieties, flavors. You know, you can be in spiritual bliss for somebody. Somebody else can just be laughing and it's jovial and playful. And then it's sometimes it could be quiet and peaceful or just to be comfortable with yourself in silence and sit and just enjoy, you know, gardening. It's like it doesn't have to be. There's many different flavors of that. Uh joyful state from laughing and joking around that could be silly or just quiet and peaceful but that's emotional largely being comfortable with yourself uh, and that's the that's the important guidance that i've been focusing my work to bring people to and to get to that emotional state means well, for me, early on, it meant, Gary, you, I was described to me this way, in your, in your being, your emotional body, you have so many emotions that come from fear, and so many emotions that come from love. And if you want to be happier, you need to have more love and less fear. One of my first assignments was, okay, figure out what you're afraid of and let it go, get rid of it. Let go of your fears. And that took me to looking at where my what my fears were, where they came from, my emotional wounds and hurts, and all my past experiences had to be cleaned out. I had to clean out my emotional history. And so that was my journey that got me started and why I try and help people do the same thing. And then later, surprisingly to me, it evolved into experiences with 
you know, expanded consciousness and what I'll call spiritual and shamanic experiences that were um yeah, no, what what we call spiritual experiences. What was the question again? What do you want to talk about? Yeah. So are you going to it? So in let's talk about what happened in the experiences and why we're probably unhappy in adulthood. Okay. Uh, we're stressed, we're afraid, we're get angry, we get jealous, we get sad, we have emotional reactions, we're doing trauma in our relationships. Why is that? And one of the components there is there's so much of our energy that's been invested by living life automatically. Automatically through the programming. And the programming is difficult to see. I had no idea in the beginning. Uh, but you'll see the program whenever you you try to change a habit. You want to change your diet. You want to give up drinking. You want to get up earlier. You want to exercise more. You see that there's this momentum to stay in the routines. But when you try and change it, now you see the magnitude of the momentum. And that's an indication of how much is automatic autopilot for our life. Why is it? Because it's autopilot. What is autopilot? Autopilot is the conditioning we developed all through childhood into adulthood. And uh, that conditioning had an impact on our identity, our self-worth, uh, stress, fears, what we feel we deserve, the kind of relationships as possible. So here's an example of, of that domestication of programming. Say we're in school and we're a kid, maybe we're in the playground, somebody makes fun of us, we feel bad, or we teacher calls on us and we get the wrong answer. That, now we're embarrassed. We, other kids are laughing at us, maybe. We're, feel rejected, we feel stupid, we feel shame. Our body hunches down. And like a Pavlov's dog experience, that's a moment where the bell rang, something happened, and we went to just total contraction and emotional pain. And then our brain, wanting to avoid that in the future, you know, we're not going to raise our hand next time. 
because we think we got the answer. We're going to remember that and we're going to go, I got to avoid that emotional pain. I'm not going to raise my hand. I don't want to be called on. We're afraid when the teacher asks a question. And every time we go to class, our unconscious mind gets into automatic program to contract. It says, hey, remember this time where we were embarrassed and ashamed and hurt and felt stupid. And fires that memory, whether we're aware of it or not. And now we don't put our hand up, we don't speak up. And that affects us when maybe now we're in adulthood and we want to get a raise. We want to ask our boss or somebody else for help. But we don't, we're afraid to look stupid. We're afraid to be embarrassed. We're afraid to get help, to ask a question that might make our life better. But we're afraid to go have an interaction that would help us. And that's part of the programming that's with us 10, 20, 50 years later. And you take, oh, a hundred or a thousand of those little instances of playing on the playground, a test we got back that we didn't do well on or missed a single question, didn't, didn't get picked at sports or missed a basket, uh, lost the game. Like Here's thousands of experiences that are stored in memory that are now automatically programming us what we can do, can't do in adulthood. And most all of that is fear. That we then don't notice and cover up with, you know, telling ourselves, oh, I'm fine, I'm good. Telling other people, I'm fine, I'm good. And now, but it's running our day to day. And as I was going back and inventorying all these belief systems, like I call them, which are more than just beliefs, I mean, they're running in our nervous system and our emotional body. We should talk about what beliefs are. Uh, I remember being in second grade. And the teacher had this chart of, you know, how whatever, whatever was about, I don't know, things we'd done in class, how many, something we'd done, I wasn't sure. And it was gold stars. And I'd went down top to bottom i remember reading it i was i was 28 or so 29 at the time doing this work i'm doing it about two years and i could and i had that memory of like where did i become so driven to kind of get everything right and one of the memories that popped was second grade going down the list of gold stars seeing my name seeing i had more than everybody else was near the end, it's band one day. And I had more than the other people above it. Yes. And then I went down the rest of the list, there's a couple of people, and there was a girl with a Z, her last name, and she was the, and she had more than me. And I dropped. I'm like, ugh. And so by second grade, I was no longer looking for other people to tell me my worth or whether I was good or smart or bad. 
I was auto-domesticating myself with punishments of feeling bad or feeling good when I was internally comparing myself to other people. And so this self-judgment mechanism that was both motivating me and demotivating me, raising my emotions and lowering my emotions, was in place in second grade. And then I just built on it for years after that. And so that was in place from that point, or do you think it was beforehand already in place and that was just a reinforcing experience? It was in place before that point because it was so automatic in that moment. And and that was a reinforcing experience. Yeah, our nervous system learns very early who's going to punish us, who's going to reward us. And we're looking around to appease that other person. And the result of that is now, you know, implied in that is this other person is determining my worth. This other person is determining my value. And I need to please them. And I need to be what they want me to be in order to feel good about myself. And so now, what do we do in adulthood in our relationships? We have stories, oh, will they want me or they not want me? You know, what do I need to be in now this whole? And we stop being ourselves. We stop being anything authentic to ourselves. We stop, what do I want? How do I want to feel? Uh, what do I want to do? We are so far removed from like our genuine authenticity and our love for ourselves because we've advocated out to other people's opinions uh, since age, well, since year one, really. <laughs> year one, two, three, yeah. I've worked with clients who like go back to six months and realize, oh, I need to change what I'm doing here because mom's reaction. Yeah. So I this think... is this is the programming that I say, okay, we went on a journey to be happy in our life. Okay, we have to go deconstruct these programs that are both thoughts, but emotional and nervous system. Uh experiences i think you know i i heard you speak about this a lot you know before i even knew you you know personally in podcasts and all and i think one thing that i'd love to talk about with you here that you sometimes and i told you that before don't emphasize enough i think is the pain the real pain like really deep pain people carry at the emotional level that the whole belief system is just sitting on top because when i when i started exploring my belief system at some point i could see it doesn't make sense that it just doesn't add up the belief system is a crazy conflicting set of belief ideas yeah like it doesn't add up like why would i depend my worth on somebody else's words or prevent myself from asking a question when it's so helpful for me to ask a question. 
but as I looked at it, it's like it's still not changing, or it's still it's still hard for me to change it. And I was like, why? And I realized that there's like a whole lot of pain that it's hiding, that it's been managing with these conditions, right? We talked about it. It's like an AI, you know, it, and it's like managing these conditions of basically like how to not feel, you know, how to not feel pain. But generally, I would say how to not feel because it ends up you don't feel anything. So it's yeah. always looking at like, what do I need to do to avoid feeling what I'm deep down, really deep down, I'm feeling so deep down that I don't even know that I'm feeling it. Well, now we get into the layer of, of the denial system, which is all layered over top of it, which is part of our beliefs. Uh, it's like, here's the emotions that I, I have from these experiences that I haven't cleaned up, let go of. I don't want to, and unconsciously go, I can't feel this pain because I can't function if I feel all this pain at once. So I have to make I heard that one a lot. Forget. <laughs> um, from the clients people or, I work with. Yeah, 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 yeah. If I feel this, I won't be able to function. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and that's a belief. And is it true? No, you're going to feel it. You function you better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'll be wasting but, less. But, well, well, you've got to you've got to take that two options, right? How how do you feel it? Because people give the instructions, and this is in in Buddhist teachings. They always talk about the near enemy. There's a truth, and there's very close to the truth. Just a you could take that same information and use it to hurt yourself. There's something that can set you free, and, and that same concept can be used to imprison you, right? So you're like, oh, you want to feel the emotions. You're inviting people will feel the emotions, right? And which is, oddly enough, <clears throat> how do you let go of emotions? You think, oh, I'm going to get rid of them so I don't feel them. Actually, letting go of them is, you, you know, you feel them and allow them to kind of be released in this conscious presence exercise. However, to do that, you need to be consciously present, which means you have to hold your attention and avoid getting entrained into a narrative that reinforces the story of the emotion. Like, okay, go back. And it's like, I got that question wrong. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I'm such an idiot. I'm so stupid, right? So we go back and we were like, oh, I remember when I was second grade and I got the question wrong and I felt embarrassment and shame, right? So now if we go, if we want to let that go, we have to watch that emotion as if we're watching ourselves as a child. So we have to hold our attention. We have to hold our perspective. And separate, feel it. And feel it. But the tendency of most people, until they have the skill to hold their attention and be present with emotion is the the tendency is to get entrained in the emotion feel it and feel like we're in second grade again and everybody's laughing and we're embarrassed and ashamed right and so now what we've done is we've gone back into the memory and we've said it's happening again i feel so terrible i'm so stupid and we do it as if i I'm seven years old, 
in a second. Great, right? So our consciousness has shifted into the wounded self and out of a present self. And now no. the healing process where you'd let it go is turned into a reinforce the pain process and made it worse. So this is why like the work on the attention is like, what is your attention? What is your perspective? Are you holding space and present for yourself right now? And are you holding space and present for yourself while you're doing this emotional letting go and revisiting this? So if you give someone the instruction, oh, just feel those emotions, it's like, okay, that's not enough information. How? How are you feeling them? From what point of view are you the observer? Are you present in the moment with the emotions from the past? So you have to kind of be time traveling. You have to be in the present moment while being in the past for healing to happen and that change to happen. I, I think what happens if one doesn't have control of their attention, and I see that also with clients, is and see that with myself, is what happens is you go into a, you think you're feeling it, but you go into a story about what happened. And actually today I see the going to the story about what happened as many times another um, way to avoid feeling, like another sort of avoidance mechanism. Because it's easier to talk about what happened. And sometimes people tell me, well, I've talked about what happened to me yeah. as a child so many times. And it didn't do anything. And it didn't no. do anything because you need to feel what happened. You need to process. You're, you're, when you talk about it, you're, you're in a story about it. And you're in a way this detached. Oh, Not yeah, in a you, good way. You're detached yeah. from what happened, from how it really felt. Right. You you have it over there far enough away, talking about it, that you aren't opening up the emotion that's stored in it. Yeah. And, and, and people seem to think that that is healing or that will do the job or, uh, and, and it won't, you know, and this is why when we talked last time, we're like, this is why you bring the handkerchief to a place on a, on a retreat. And you're like, we're going to feel the emotions. It's like, we're going to open it up and you're going to cry. Because that's such a wonderful purge. You know, and you don't have to cry, but boy, you, you really like allow yourself to expand what's possible in the range of feeling. Yeah. And I think that's key. You know, it's funny. I had a client, you know, came to me and he was in like traditional therapy for two years where it's like talk therapy, you know, the old school thing. And so when he came to me, he wanted to talk about things. He just wanted to start and just talk about all his problems. And it was kind of, I was a bit, maybe I, I was a lot more gentler to him. I was like, you know, I was like, like, let's, let's say his name is John, like John, you know, it's, it, I was a bit, Maybe I was very direct because it was like, it's a, it's kind of useless to just talk about it like this. You know, tell me how it actually felt when you went through that. Like, how did it feel in your, and people have a hard time telling you how it felt. You know, they say, well, it felt, what did they say? It felt annoying or it, I felt rejected. I felt, I felt, I felt like they didn't like me. You know, I felt and like they didn't and like me. The, 
and they're it's describing they're describing what the other person what they thought the other person was doing they felt like they rejected me it felt like <clears throat> Uh, but they're when they're describing somebody else's behavior that they did to them, like that's not the feeling. They're still not feeling right, and not people feeling. have a really. I felt like I was worthless. Even that to me is not a feeling; it's still a belief. I yeah. want to like worthless see, like, is a measurement. Yeah, yeah. Like, how did you feel in your body? You know, what did that feel like in your body? And people take a while to really understand, like, and tap in, and like. Well, how did it feel in my body? And then they might start to say, well, I felt contracted in my belly or in my chest. Or they would say, like, I felt really sad. And now you feel, when they said that, you can feel they're also, like, suddenly there's a tear or there's something in their voice changes. Now they're really feeling, like, now they're really present. And, the, and that's and, the healing. And the, and the story stopped. But very often with clients, you can find that there'll be three or four narratives and other defensive mechanisms like that that will show up trying to not have that experience of feeling sadness about what happened. And so so that's this is where you have to be extra strong with your attention to say, oh, this is uncomfortable. Uh, and let's continue and, and let's let's put that story aside. Let's be with the emotion. You know, I, I did a, I did the last retreat and I started it, you know, it's like everybody's in the room, like, welcome. Hey, glad you're here. Welcome to the uncomfortable tour. And people Classic like, Gary. Classic Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And it's like, yes, we're here. We're going to have lots of fun. We're going to joke. We're going to laugh. We're going to go to love and expand consciousness. And oh, by the way, as we go to love and expand consciousness, we're going to feel more some other things are going to show up that are trying to have us not feel more love. Okay, those will be uncomfortable. That's just part of the program. And people yeah. are like, oh, okay. When you frame it that way, it sounds okay. <laughs> I love that sense of humor, you know, I think it helps. There's a client the other week told me, you know, I'm so happy to see you there. I was like, don't be so sure. You know, we, we haven't explored what's going on for you yet. <laughs> are, you sure, are you sure you have? But it's true that when you feel that, it's, it frees you up to more love and it's healing. It's just it could be, could be some patch that's difficult. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's really difficult. I think. At a certain it, it point, it depends. It depends on the person. You know, and it depends on the environment. I mean, we was working with a client recently, and this is common. It's like she was she was imagining like this is what she'd really want. And she was hesitant to talk about it and hesitant to like don't be hopeful because her brain had gone back to like, here's what she's wanted in the past. And when it didn't happen, such a painful disappointment. It was heartbreaking not, not to have it happen. And so her brain has said, oh, don't build up hope. Don't even feel good about this possibility. Because if you feel good about it, you're going to build up, you're going to have all this emotion. And then if it doesn't happen, it'll be heartbreak. So 
in order to avoid heartbreak, we are going to avoid feeling positive, good, and motivated about doing anything about this. So this thing that would be feel good is like, don't even try, don't bother. There'll be a painful heartbreak at the end. We have to, and it's this protection mechanism, painful heartbreak at the end. So therefore to avoid it, don't even hope for this. That's how not feeling right. fucks you up, <laughs> you know. Right. Right. So it's like, don't, don't feel happy. Don't feel motivated. Don't feel good. Don't feel hopeful. Well, it's like, don't feel pain. Well, if you feel happy, you could also feel pain. And we'd rather like not feel pain than feel really happy. So let's just not feel anything of that. It's, it ends up ends up being the result. Yeah. Yeah, ends up being the result. Because it's it's not, the, the mind is in pushing the denial systems. It closed down to the emotions. It essentially says, yeah, don't feel. It's like... It could say, don't feel the painful part, but it doesn't know how to say, oh, feel all the good stuff, but don't feel the painful part. It doesn't know how to do that. It just, it does its blanket don't feel thing. It's like- And and that's impossible, by the way. I, I'm just mentioning that because somebody yeah. might think, well, how do you do that? And that's impossible. No, no, your your denial system is, is uh, covering it all up. Yeah. And- there's this wonderful passage in Khalil Gibran's book and something about uh, the prophet. The prophet? What's it called? Oh my God. It's, it's funny. I just what? noticed I have this book in my library the other day. And I was like, whoa, never read it. Oh, he's wonderful. And he says, you know, it's like if you don't, to feel all your joy, because you won't feel all of your joy unless you still allow yourself to feel all of your sadness, all your pain, all your anger. And so opening up to feeling all emotions allows you to feel everything, which allows you to feel self to feel more joy and more love, and more peace. And that seems so contradictory. Oh, I'm going to allow myself to feel more sadness, more anger, more uh, pain, and that'll allow me to feel more joy and love? Yes. That's, it's not a <laughs> one plus one is two process, but it's what happens. Well, I think, I think it could be explained because you, there's energies flowing for a body. Like joy is an energy flowing for a body. Mm -hmm. uh, happiness, love, and same for fear or sadness or, or anger. And so it's like when you decide to block feeling, you block energy moving for your body. It's not like it works. Well, I'm going to allow this energy, but not that energy. Because the moment you block it, now it's it's a block. You know, you could feel it. And no energy could flow. And if you want to unblock it, the first thing that would flow is the thing that you blocked, <laughs> which would be a fear or an anger or a sadness. But also what happens, it's not like... Like it ends up, it, I don't think it ends up being like a roller coaster ride. It's more like you let out the anger, the sadness, the fear that's been held. And then usually, you know, we're fine. Usually really painful things don't happen in most of our days. So we just have joy and, and love flowing on that time. And I yeah. discovered most, most of the day. Yeah. And I wonder how yeah, you feel about it. Feel about that that when I discovered the more I feel like these emotions, the more I like that are considered painful or negative, 
when I'm really present with them, there's something uh, it's hard to put to words, like something enjoyable about it or not enjoyable, but there's a sense of truth about them. Like almost like when you really feel a sadness that you've been holding back or, or an anger or a fear that you've been avoiding for so long, it's like the sense of truth about it or connection that you feel with yourself that in a way you want more of it, more of that connection. So you're okay with feeling those emotions, Sandy. Okay, so in this, this is how it will relate to part of the journey of the soul. All of those emotional wounds are held within the soul, the energy of the soul. And for me, part of the journey of the soul is taking these emotional splinters out that are painful you're going in and you're you're taking out the pain the old wounded the memory the belief that's connected to it and you're healing your emotional body and the and the and something at the soul goes ah yes that's been in me that's been hurting okay good so you're aligned with truth you're aligned with integrity and you're getting back to like your authentic joyful self it's like childlike way and so on that level it is beautiful to be with our sadness if you're if you're coming at from that frequency that perspective that presence it's beautiful to be with our sadness and we can love our fears and see this embarrassment and shame and go that's beautiful they really are beautiful like you feel yeah. that but that's that's in a way this you have to get your you have to practice being in that state of consciousness and presence calmly and not be in the story of i hate feeling this way i should be over this i mean these are denial things that keep the the pain going i hate feeling this way i should be over this uh i don't like this process why can't this be over when is it going to finish like all of this is is uh keeps us trapped right we're not we're, we're in those layers of denial repression uh avoidance now we're in the story about the feeling we don't actually we're, we're in our story about a feeling we're in a narrative about it uh as opposed to actually being present with it and it's not very effective and i would say a lot of times we're building up the strength of a denial system and while we don't heal yeah and we're not really feeling again we're in a story we're not present with our body i, I think the body if you can hold your attention on your body and really like the emotions that are there and every time the mind wants to say something just bring it back then you somebody does that they would start to feel what we're talking about, like this integrity and feeling i feel part of that integrity is that you also just feel like your integrity and authenticity that yeah like what happened was painful i i told myself for years it wasn't but it actually was painful what actually did make me angry you know and but i was scared about that thing and and that's part of your integrity you, yeah. you start to feel that yeah. like how you and, really felt yeah and and so you have all these stories, I don't want to feel this way, 
X, Y, and Z. And then you have a feeling of fear about feeling that emotion. You have to move through that. And then you're like, and be present, like, oh, I got stories, put it off to the side. You're multitasking with your attention. I got fear. Okay. That's okay. Fear can be there. I'm going to feel this anyways. And you kind of this willful process to hold your attention, like, and what's this feeling? Let's open it up and allow that all the space to be. And so hence, hence in the self-mastery course, while why we do breathing and breath work on holding our attention with whatever we feel, giving it space. And there's a whole guided process for that. That was big for me. You know, the, I still remember the first time I did the, that guided process in the emotions chapter. That was big for me the first time I did it. I remember, I remember it till this day. So it tells you that's big. Big in what way? I listened to it. I didn't know what to expect. I was like, I have some time. I'll listen to the meditation on emotions. And I felt angry. I felt anger. And the first thing was, I didn't know I had such anger inside. That was the first big thing. And then I could feel the anger moving as we were breathing and then releasing out of my body. I could feel like it was moving, oozing out. And I could feel the relief. I could feel, too, I could feel first of all, that it was enjoyable to feel, to feel it. That was a new experience. And then also the relief of it oozing out. Ah, okay. I didn't even know that was in there, but it feels so great that I felt it and it's not in there. <laughs> and I was then going to a gym session with my bodies. I still remember. And, and I was like, it was still a bit of that energy remaining. I was like, guys, watch out today. I'm angry. <laughs> And it, it's fun because it helped the gym session. <laughs> it's really wow. lifting weights. It was really fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's on the other side of the resistance, the denial, and the fear about feeling is like, because uh, I remember, yeah, doing processes where sometimes, like, the song on the radio, Drive. I remember driving after work, I'm driving to, to yoga class. And a song on the radio clicked because we probably had a workshop the weekend before or something, you know, the week before. And like, click, tears started coming. And I'm just crying, right? And I'm like, okay, this is just gushing. Like, all right. And I, at that point, felt these moments of where all this emotion is coming out and I get to be with them. Like, this is so valuable. Like, I'm not going to go to yoga class. So I pull over in a parking lot in a grocery store. And I'm like, I want to be with this feeling, not indulge it, you know, it's like try and keep it going, but just like breathe with whatever is there, making space for it for as, until it's done, as much as until it's done. So, and then when the song was over, I hit repeat. I just kept hitting repeat because it was like, Here's the is whatever has opened it up, repeat, repeat, right? And then it's like, well, you know, late for your class. And then it's like, repeat, repeat, repeat. Let the song tears gushing down hit, my face. Hit me some. It was like, and then and then look at my watch, like, well, yeah, forget yoga class. Too late now. Repeat. You know, somebody comes up knocking on the door. It's like, man, you all right? You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. This is good. That happened. Yeah, 
That's funny. Yeah. That's really nice of anybody. So this is this is where I valued those moments to just be present with feeling, even if it was sadness or grief or anger. I'm like, this is I don't want to keep this inside. Here too. I don't want to keep it inside. Like that was like because it's just gonna come out and destructive and 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 be what why have that energy there and all the layers over it? Like, no. So those were very valuable opportunities. Um that I I jumped on that. I'm like, whatever else is going on, I'm doing this. I'm gonna be with this, these tears or sadness or grief, what have you. It, and a lot of times I had no idea what, what it was from. But I just be present, loved it, said, okay, it's here. I'm going to be with all this. So, yeah, those are, those are valuable opportunities because, you know, I, I looked at it and said, well, if I don't open and allow this all out now, I don't know when I, when the, the portal to this is going to happen again, right? I don't want to wait three years <laughs> before it's like whatever hits me and get it gets cleaned up. I'm like, I want it, you know? You know, the, the, who knows when that yeah. opportunity is going to come around to cleanse uh, again? Yeah, I love how you did that with the song. I did s s something similar, which just and it's enjoyable, like putting sad song and just allowing feelings to come out. You know, I have on my phone, I have like a, a sad playlist, I have an anger playlist, I have a happy playlist, and whatever I'm feeling, if I want to use it, then I put the music and I allow, I really embody. How I feel and that lets the emotion come out more and it's in, it's enjoyable even if it's like really deep pain it's enjoyable yeah and you mentioned sadness and, and anger and like I think fear also could be a, an authentic feeling that we could feel and it could be a, a release to feel it like and 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 like you want to go with it even when it's hard and I think that's for people, it could be very hard to feel fear sometimes. Fear is more tricky because, God, it can really entrain us into our nervous system in a survival and entrain our, our consciousness into the fear and reinforce it. Uh, so, yeah, to be the observer of what's happening in the body while you feel it is really, really important that you not get entrained to uh, so you feel like I'm afraid. Yeah. You know, I, it's like, I'm afraid. And I feel like this is really going to happen. Or I'm afraid of this happening as opposed to, wow, my mind is afraid. But my now you'd be in the story. is afraid. My nervous system is afraid. My body is shaking. Wow, this is an interesting experience my body is having. So like to be this observer of it, one of the events I think you know, I did uh, that was really so obvious. I mean, I've felt this numerous times, but it was like uh, watching my body, did a high ropes course, and climbing on top of like a 30 foot pole and trying to stand on top, right? And even like, there's different qualities of fear because I could feel like in my mom mind, I was calm. Because in my mind, I'm like, okay, I've got like this parachute harness and people have got two safety ropes, you know, so there's like, three or four people over here and three or four people over here doubled up. I can't, I'm not going to fall. I'll just, you know, lean back and I'm sitting it hanging in the parachute if I fall off this pole. So my mind is calm, 
but at the same time, my body is shaking. I'm like watching my body shake because it it's doing its own thing about this sense of like being 30 feet up on this you know, hole that's not solid. It's like, so, and just watching it and just taking the time going, okay, enjoying it. This is, this it could is, be enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. So it just kind of is like, that's the kind of conscious present to kind of go, okay, my body's doing this. It's working it out. And you have to put as much attention on your body as possible. And it's almost like that neutralizes the story from the mind. There's not enough awareness on the mind for a story to take over. So you're just really present with your body. And something that's I where, found really helpful. And that's where breathing helps. Because if we give ourselves something to do to help us be present, then we can keep the stories at bay perhaps a little better. We're like, okay, I'm going to breathe with this. I'm going to feel my breath. I'm going to feel my body with my breath. Uh, and that, as opposed to, and, and, you know, and as a buffer to keep a story further at bay, give ourselves something to do so the story doesn't come in and we don't get entrained with commentary. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the key of the attention. I had, I had the funny thing. I could, I think it was like February or March of this year. I had like a lot of beliefs breaking in And at some point I was making so much changes that my body on a nervous system level started to like panic. And I had like, for a few days, I felt like a lot of anxiety in my body. And at some moments in the day, if I put my attention, my breath would start to go. <laughs> and sometimes I almost would throw up. And I was really present with it. It was kind of liked it even, but it was like intense. And I told a friend about it. And he was like, are you okay? That sounds like a lot like he had panic attacks a lot in his life. So he used to take medication. For it. Like that sounds like a panic attack. I was like, oh, really? That's what it feels like? Okay, cool. <laughs> Because I was like present with it. It didn't bother me. Maybe it is would be defined as a panic attack. But I was present with it and it didn't bother me. And of course it was intense, but I was just letting it be. And then after a few days, it passed. I was it's okay. Really good. You said after a few days, you could feel that panicky feeling for a few days. And that's important for people to realize. Sometimes those emotional processes take days. You know, they aren't 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, and the other thing that's really good about that story, the example is like, you're in this space of being present, you're kind of enjoying it, you're curious about it, as opposed to entrained in it, where you feel you have to act on it as if it's a problem to be there, as if it's bad to be there, as I got to stop this, I got to get out, I hate this, uh, I've got to go do something to protect myself. Right? All of that is kind of an indication that you're in the narrative that's and not being present, okay, which is often a curious, like, well, this is an interesting sensation. Okay. Oh, and I'm wondering how this long this is going on. Let's see. You know, so so the thoughts are very different when you're present during this cleaning process. Yeah. And sometimes and, there's no thoughts, but it's just a silent like realization that this is something my body is going through yeah you know yeah and this and and i want to reiterate this is 
what we're talking about here. This is the process of letting go. Which isn't like you think, oh, now it's gone. It's letting go is we're being very present with it and allowing ourselves to feel. But in a very present way, that's letting go. Because I, I hear people talk about their past and they're like, well, no, I'm over that. I don't let that bother me. You know, I, that's behind me. I let that go. Like, that's a story of letting go. That's you telling yourself you're letting go. That's using this idea of letting go as denial. Yeah. Right? Uh, as opposed to like, well, how did you let it go? Oh, I just decided I'm not going to let it bother me. Like, yeah, that's denial. No, you know you let it go. I think there's a way one could know. Like, well, let me ask, how would one know? Because I think there is a way to know. Well, if you go back to remembering the experience and there's peace with it. Exactly. But I think a lot that's of times, but this is also tricky with the denial. You can fool yourself. There's you peace. Fool yourself. Here's the, here's the experience. And we can talk about it kind of compartmentalized in our intellectual mind. Emotions repressed. Talk about the experience while our emotions are repressed. And so we're staying with the intellectual. Here's, here's what happened. Right. It might be not peace, but you're more feeling like numb about it because you so numb yourself out of how that felt. You just yeah. don't feel anything. And yeah. so I think maybe let's add, I wonder how you feel about this because it could be edgy to say, but gratitude about about it even. I think one could could feel gratitude about when they really let go, they could feel gratitude about an, an experience, even if it was really bad. You know, that's a that's a helpful indicator that kind of raises the bar. You're less likely to be in denial or something if you're feeling gratitude. Truly feeling. Yeah. They're not telling yourself, and but they could be still like, yeah, I feel great. But really, and you like you really it's check me. in in your heart how you feel about it. Like, don't yeah. tell yourself. But but this is an inner process, right? Because we can kind of trick ourselves. We can numb ourselves out to those emotions. Tell ourselves the story, of gratitude, create gratitude. Uh, feel like we let it go because so so this is this is you're pointing to something but i don't want to make rules out of it because yeah what we can do in our mind and compartmentalize these things uh and then say oh no i felt gratitude about it so therefore i'm all i let it all go yeah no. i don't i i you know no and you can't decide you can also can't decide like that you feel gratitude like like you you kind of need to really like feel in your heart and really let that sell for a while and see like how your heart feels about it. You can't like make it up in and a story. And, and, and here's my, my approach to all this. I don't know if I've let everything go. If it's true that I let everything go or whatever the event is, well, then I've let it go. And I don't need to say I've let it go. And if I haven't, I don't need to say I haven't let it go. It's like, let's take both of those I have or I haven't. Just I don't need either narrative. True. As far as I can tell at this moment, you know, I'm at peace with all that or peace with X, Y, Z. Right? And if more shows up later, because this often happens, you know, then I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let some more go that shows up with that. Because here's, and this happens in the recapitulation process. And a lot of this, 
what we're describing here would be really good if people are interested in doing this is do the recapitulation practices that I have. Uh, because this is how to be conscious, be present while you move and release all these different layers of energy and stored emotion. Um, so that that but I think I think what I'd love to do and I wanted to tell you that with is actually do like workshops with people on because I think I think that the recapitulation the trouble people have sometimes is is also that they don't even know like how to track what it is that's bothering them it's kind of like and and know like what memory it's about like or where it's coming from like people don't even know how to start feeling because it's been so like how would I say it? it's been so numbed out or denied out and you know that about me you know that it's almost like you don't know where to even start feeling from so you kind of have to start with like what's triggering you in your world right now and know how to like track back the origin of it okay and some of that is tracking back we call it hunting used to call it hunting and stalking you're like because you're finding like what's the agreement what's the memory or what's the belief because a lot of times with these emotional things uh we may not remember the memory i had a lot yeah. of emotional release episodes i don't know what they were about i had a lot of, but i a lot of times i could track a belief i'm like i'm thinking this way or watch my mind my mind's thinking this way oh there's fear and I'd see the underlying structure of the story. And I'm like, well, that's doesn't pass the common sense test. That that's that belief is false. So yeah, this is where you need your attention and your perspective to go in and kind of track and dissect these layers of the story. And then maybe you get to the emotion underneath, maybe you don't, but it's like at least the, the belief is broken up. Or yeah. the identity of that you feel like, oh, I'm so stupid, I'm such an idiot. You're like, you're watching it as opposed to like, well, no, that's that's some version of myself that's from memory talking in my mind. And I'm present here right now and you're feeling yourself present. It's like that gap in perspective, that gap in identity of who's I that's talking because now we're getting out of the emotional process and you have to get out of the identity process to get present. And this is this generally, this is why I start with stories with people. What are the stories with the false identity of the mind saying, I, Oh, I'm so stupid. Oh, I could never do that. I feel stuck. It's like, this is, this is where our consciousness has been trapped in the belief of what we are as opposed to, what we are as presence. This is another part of the journey. You have to extract your consciousness. You have to extract your sense of identity out of the, the character that's in the story. And, and that kind of needs to That makes it easier to feel. Before you do the emotional work. Yeah, it makes it a lot easier to feel. Yeah, because you and can you're feel not from a state a of presence as a, as opposed to being inside a narrative. Yeah. 
because we need to talk about that narrative. This is what you have to deconstruct first before you do the emotional processes. I was thinking about this. I think about this a lot, like how to explain the significance of this. And, you know, if you, if you see someone who's ever been hypnotized, they'll behave like a chicken. You know, it's like, oh, you're hip they hypnotized to be a chicken or, um, and then they act like a chicken because they have been suggested to them and they've accepted this idea that they're a chicken. And so and that's, a, that's a critical moment when something, the idea of a chicken is then accepted that I am a chicken. Let's take even a less radical example, like take take I, somebody, bring him to a group of people, ten group of people he doesn't know, and they will tell him like, and they'll just ha he'll just have conversation with them, and they'll all say to him like, "Wow, you're really smart, like you're really a great conversationalist." And all ten people say say that to this person, he's gonna start thinking that, and you know, like, oh, I have, you know, all these ten people, if they told him like, oh, you're just kind of treat him like he's stupid or like they're not interested and he's going to take that in. And, and, and we've all been conditioned with our identity early on. Like I'm bad at math. I can't draw. I can't sing. I, 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 uh, I'm not creative. You know, this is, I'm not creative. You know, I, I'm not a good dancer. Like here is, an identity that we're hypnotized it's incredibly living and then we put it on like a chicken suit i mean i want you to i want you to make us that much of a shift and we're behaving that way as that person that i'm stupid i'm such an idiot whatever is the negative thought there's an identity on that we then wear as an identity and feel that that's what we are and conscious presence is just this like an experience that's not true. So, but extracting yourself from this hypnotized state that may have been reinforced, you know, a lot of times in your own thoughts, a few times from someone else, maybe a lot of times it's from a kind of neglectful parent or abusive parent. But then we tell ourselves that narrative a lot, and that feels like who we are. And then you start step, acting like it out of that when i when i tell people and they start doing the self-mastery course and they start seeing that these characters and they start stepping outside the stories you know big reaction they have is well then who am i i'm like good you're making progress <laughs> but right now most importantly you're not that character that says it's an idiot or stupid or it's wrong or bad or power remember when i like, asked you that yeah you know, good, that's progress to feel that's and that's part of the uncomfortable tour. Good. You're feeling this idea of not knowing, but you've stepped out of this kind of narrative where it's all known and it's fixed. And now you're like, okay, I don't know what I am right now, or I don't know what I could be. Way one of that's be. that's a good because you needed to get out of that false identity first before you could even like ask a good question like that. What did I say to you, by the way? Well, what did you do with me? We actually, you didn't say anything. I think I had like a moment one day after, you know, doing the 
process for some months. I had a moment that I was going to bed. I was like all these thoughts. And I imagined like I'm putting all these thoughts outside myself. Another thought and another thought outside. And there was another thought that was like saying, I am putting these thoughts outside myself. That's so cool. I was like, I took that out. Yes. Which was the one I was identified with. And that was like, my mind was empty, right? It's completely empty. It's like, whoa, you know. It wasn't like a, a wall with a thought. It's just like. And then I went to you. But then a question did come in and my you mind. You could start like, to what am I? this expansive space, space, an energy field. And then there's an opportunity. To That's when to I went to you. As an energetic presence. Oh, I can exist as an energetic presence. Without, without thoughts. Without yeah. Thoughts. Well, so there was a sense All of right. that. So you went to me and... And I went to you and there was a sense of that. And then you just guided me in a meditation to kind of let go again of everything and kind of feel what that is that stays and just what's the qualities of it and just sense that. And you know, I remember I could sense there's like a peace to it. There's like a non-locality to it in a way and there's an intuitiveness to it and I, I i remember that and that day that was a big day i i want to say like in a way that was the day i lost my identity that's not fully true but it's like that was a no going back point I didn't identify with my mind the same way since that day. Beautiful. So you did something good. You didn't give me an answer. You had me explore it. Uh, I gave you an answer, but not with words. Because if I gave you an answer that was a description with words, your mind would have latched to that. But I wanted you to have the experience. And that's much more powerful, right? Because we could describe all that with words. You'd have the words and your mind would grab that and say, oh, it have language and it would corrupt it with language as opposed to pure perception. This experience is much faster effective than anything we can put into words. Because you're you, I, we're ineffable. As soon as you start describing it, you're creating a map, and you're putting attention on the map, and you can't see the territory. Not just the map; you're creating a box. Yeah, you're limiting. Now you have now you have. See, okay, so here we get into like now you have ideas of what you are. I'm a soul. <laughs> when you were saying like that's all I'm boxes because it's conceptual. Have an earthly experience. I'm an experience. I'm a I'm a human being having a spirit with like I, I now as soon as you do that, I'm a character in a story. I'm 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 uh and I'm I'm a construct of an ideas and like that's the box. It's a construct of ideas. Right? And we're entrained. We're <laughs> funny. You are really 
it's really true but you're just really blunt about it because a lot of people just think that way you know and i would so it's just blunt <laughs> but it's true <laughs> yeah they say that i'm like uh, okay there's an idea with a snail box yeah uh -huh. I think one thing I'll add once you disidentify that at some point came, you still kind of need to figure out who you want to be. And not like as an identity, but how you want to express yourself, which is a fun thing. And you want to, because you can't be nothing. You're talking to people, you, you put some identity, but now you can make it up or you have the freedom to choose how you. Exactly. Yes. You show up in different places. And that yeah. was a process of its own for me still developing of like, how do I want to express myself? You know? Well, that, that's what uh, I'll share the story. That people understand kind of the process. One part of the process, and I'll just tell the bit. When, I, when I'd gone to Miguel and I asked a question, and it's like, and I was going through certain changes, and I was... Uh, and I was kind of afraid losing my identity. And I asked him, he's like, oh, this is because your whole belief system is almost completely gone. And I was, I was at the time, I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't know. And so I asked him, is that good? <laughs> this is a line from the play. I'm like, is that good? He's like, oh, yeah, it's great. Because they don't, you no longer have the programs of all the people who gave you their ideas. And programmed you, then you can you can create your beliefs the way you want that work for you. Right. So that was like very much the thing you're describing. Like, okay, who's the person I want to be? How do I want to feel? What value system do I want? And I want to respect the world and the, the world that I'm living and uh and the people and what they believe, but like what is gonna be instead how I think about myself, what I allow myself to love, how happy to be. Am I going to depend my self-worth on somebody else's opinion of me? Am I going to try and then be what they want to be? Like, want me to be? No. Of course, I still fell into that. and I had to undo that again because it was such a habit to do that. But when I built that second belief system that was corrupt, I saw it much sooner and I was like, okay, well, now I'm, I'm just out of habit building a a false belief system again it's like not nearly as bad or ingrained and it, and it hasn't been as long so it's much easier to get rid of so so i had to recreate myself and what do i want to be in the world and how i want to be i still have the same job i'm still doing the same thing it's like but then i was like over time i did it again i recreate myself again i recreate myself again until i was like no i don't want to do that job i want to go teach i want to go share and so certain iterations had more changes in my room external life and others some changes yeah. were just internal we you say your job you meant like your day-to-day -day job okay that wasn't clear it seems like your job was to create new oh, iterations oh, back, but i understand back, back back then my yeah my job was no you meant you had your day-to-day -day job and you had your process and your process and letting go and recreating and then at some point you changed jobs but i mean, imagine you're still recreating like we're all recreating i'm creating myself anew again you know, that's this, fun this this is an exploration of that like 
you know, here's here's a ver here's a version of what's new and different these days. Uh, you know, when I first started, like there was a fear then teaching. Fears, concern, like I I didn't have credible credentials. I didn't have a I wasn't a licensed therapist. I hadn't done structured training. I spent years studying with Miguel. I'd done my own process. I'd started teaching people casually and coaching them and getting results. So I knew I had a system and techniques and practices got results. And, you know, when I started teaching, it was like six years of the study of this. It was like, this is my most important endeavor. And so I just started helping people. And at a certain point, I was like, well, I'm going to, I want this to be my business. I, I want to, do this you know for who knows how long and i i knew i didn't have credibility right i didn't have a phd in philosophy or world religions and i hadn't written books and i didn't have uh training that's conventional training but i didn't want to do anything that was conventional i didn't want to do therapy and so i thought about it i says well then I need to present things in a very rigorous way so that, and this is just kind of went into the way I did things, that are very rigorous. So when people listen, they'll get, okay, this guy's thought through it. It has depth. It makes sense and got credibility by my content. And so I was careful about what I put out. And it probably is a layer of fear of like, how am I perceived? What was, so it was a big concern about how I perceived and it'd be credible. Also be valuable content that people go, okay, that's a nugget. That's a nugget. That's helpful. It's like, I wanted to build credibility on delivering uh, what's helpful. And now in my current iteration, I don't care that much about that. Is where this fits. Okay, I still, I still want to deliver content that's helpful and clear, and people get nuggets and nuggets and nuggets. But it's not so precise, and so hence the conversation with you. Yeah, let's meander over here. Let's meander over there. What you're saying is you're too old to give a shit. Not my previous self. I know that. <laughs> it sounded less spiritual the way you put it. <laughs> less evolved, but yes. <laughs> the benefits of all this. This is, this is this is more of my current iteration of yeah. And I didn't I didn't really care what people thought of me. It's like, okay, if people think I'm uh a flake and wacko and no credibility, fine. Then you go have your opinions and that's fine. But for people who are like looking for help and not finding it in like at the layers I was offering about belief systems and and uh pointing to the source of problems and like how to solve them. 
for their emotional self, the belief, the process. Uh, no, for them, I knew that they were going to have a skeptical mind. Yeah. And, and you and, didn't want to, I guess, sound woo-woo too much. Exactly. You wanted to, to sound like it has, it would fit. Because I know you did it like a lot of, so what would people say, woo-woo stuff with Miguel, like a ton of it. But you, when you taught or the content you shared was different and you ordered it to be more logical and for sure. skeptical people and Western kind of way of thinking, that would have freaked yeah. me out if, if, if you haven't done it that way. Very, very common sense grounded in just what makes sense and what passes the common sense test. Yeah. Uh, because, well, and, and part of that came out of one of my clients. Uh, she, she got a lot, uh, so much, so much benefit out of Miguel's book and she wanted to take it into her office and share it with her whole staff. But she's like, uh, it has a couple of references to like shamanic stuff. And I think it had mentions the word gods in there a couple of times, right? She's like, I can't take it to work and we can't have it in schools. Like lots of teachers want to have these four agreements as a principles to, to kind of like have guiding principles in their class, right? To like, here's how you live a better life and here's how you stay out of drama. But they're like, uh, it's got a few references that make it a problem. And so this is where I presented like I don't I want because this is this is just but most almost ninety nine percent of the book ninety eight percent of the book is just common sense. That one percent is also common sense. It's just not. Uh, it has easy certain, to perceive. It has, it has certain trigger words that people then jump yeah. into. It's also not as easy to perceive. Maybe correct. Yeah. So so I wanted to teach and like I want this because it's common sense. It's like here's how your mind works. It does this, it does this, does this. Here's an entrained story. Here's what happens when you step out of it. Here's what it looks like. Here's where it creates emotion and drama. Here's how you change that. You need to move ex perspective and faith and presence and you know deconstruct the underlying assumptions. Like, oh, okay, then it goes away. Now your mind's quiet. Like all of that, uh, I want it to be common sense. So people go, yeah, okay, I get it. That works. I'll do it because I know that people are very skeptical and suspicious. I was, Oh yeah. I had fears. Miguel was a cult leader and he was, you know, was just take me off somewhere and I'd be in a camp drinking Kool-Aid. Yeah. And so many people show up still. Like I ask people like, okay, we're going to retreat. Just like, okay. How many are afraid that this is a cult? <laughs> you know, and everybody new person is like, well, my son, you know, he's worried. Literally, there was one woman, she, she got a text while she was there. She's like, so funny. She shared, she says, oh, my son just sent me a message. She said, text me, text me the, text me the word peanut butter if you've been taken into a cult. <laughs> How's that possible? You wait, you wait. She read it. She read it. And we all had this big laugh. <laughs> you're way too American. To, I don't know. You're way too American to look like a cult leader. No, that's my point of view as an outsider. <laughs> okay, but you were you were in Teo last time. We're doing the spiritual retreat. Oh, this is that's a separate subject. People are afraid of me. That's different, though. <laughs> that's not afraid that you're a cult leader. <laughs> that's afraid of me. It's different. How? That's. 
That's a that's just because you can be very destructive, especially a Teo. Yeah, yeah. Because the belief system is not the belief system is afraid of you. Or belief sometimes it could ego. be just they need to know you a bit better. Sometimes I think it's just they need to know you a bit yeah. better. The be the belief system in ego is is afraid of of these changes that are going to happen. And I know that I had that I had that fear of Miguel. Yeah. At times I was uncomfortable around him. I had trouble making just look him in the eye and like he's going to see through me and he's going to know that I'm just worthless. And so yeah, I had that. I just I was like I walked away from a conversation with him. It's like how come I couldn't look him in the eye? What the hell? <laughs> it's like I, it was just happening, and I was like, and I walk away. I go, what was that? Well, and could, yeah, and and then and but that allowed me to see like, oh my God, I'm afraid he's going to just think I'm see me because i had this one of my images that i could feel of myself i was just worthless and unworthy and i was like oh he's going to see that image of me i was like oh okay so that was good that i could find that but then yeah then the next time from then on i was like well i don't want that to rule me so then the next time from then on i was like i was like okay when i would go talk to him i was like i'm gonna look him in the eye and watch that thing shake i'm like Watch like, no, he's gonna see, no, he's gonna see. And I could feel that part. Be afraid. And I was on the uncomfortable tour. Like, I don't want it to rule me and live my life by it. So it's like I'd look Miguel in the eye, you know, and feel it be really uncomfortable just so I could expose it and move on from it. So that's that's the way I was kind of ruthless with myself. You're still disruptive to me that way. Less, but Sometimes. Well, that's why we try and do a that's lot good. of humor. No. Do a lot of humor and have a lot of fun so you can relax and say, okay, these guys can. But that's away. good. But today it's not like fear of you. It's just more like maybe parts that are afraid to be exposed by you. And like that's fine. You know, that's, that's fine for you, but uncomfortable for parts. Yeah. That's mind. fine. Yeah. And they'll be fine. You know, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. No, they'll. But here's here's the thing that is, it's good that it's disruptive. I think that's sort of the change in point of view you had with Miguel and, and I have. Like it's good well, if it's disruptive. And, and here's here's the thing about the uncomfortable tour. Here's what's really disruptive. Love. Love is a very disruptive force. Okay. Because we're not we're not used to it okay i mean here's here's the things that i experienced with miguel it's like he loved me unconditionally and i and that made interacting with him uncomfortable because it's so different than everybody else in that ever in my life Everybody else I was trying to please or impress, uh, afraid of being rejected. Uh, and and the social conditioning and nuance is such that like we're watching people's facial expressions. Do they find my joke funny? You know, what is, how's their eyebrow move? What's like we're we're measuring if we're liked and not liked in a so automatic programmed way. Right. It's like every little thing is happening so fast but with miguel i act like an idiot 
I act like I do something wonderful. His, his attitude towards me was not conditioned by what he liked and what he didn't like. So, so his love was so consistent, his acceptance so consistent. I was like, I, I could see where I was trying extra hard to impress him, where I was afraid of being rejected. And I was just like, there was no response. I was over here doing this. And there was no response from him. So it he wasn't going with out. you like this. He was like this. It just, all this stuff that I was doing now stood you out. You do that too. You do that too. These days. When I'm like this? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. And now, and yeah, now I'm kind of that, people have had that experience with me. They're like, I had one woman, she said, she's like, Gary, I find myself like trying to like, make sure you like me and make sure. And it's like very uncomfortable because nothing changes. He's like, you know, it's like, you're the same. And, you know, so she can't, her unconscious mind is so busy trying to be the person that I want because we've been conditioned to do that or be, be what will be liked and avoid what will be rejected. It's happening so automatically. But with me, I don't give that reflection back. And so she got to see it. The pattern, the pattern didn't work. And so she noticed this part being uncomfortable in herself. And she's like, but when she saw it, she'd go, oh, God, okay, I don't have to do that. What a relief. But for three or four days, it was really uncomfortable for her. And it's like, I could just be myself. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, God, Gary doesn't care about any of that. Okay, good. good. But that's that's what I could say, you know, if I if I... Miguel gave me that experience, too. I was about to say, he did, he did that to me. But actually, he did that for me. Just loved me unconditionally. And my mm. ego didn't know. We jumped all over the place trying to do something. But it was like that was useless. not And not needed. Totally not needed. And so with him, it could break. Mm. So that's that's sometimes how people feel love. They they don't actually feel the love from, from Miguel. It took me a long time to feel the love because I was so busy feeling my ego's reaction my wounds and my program's reactions, I didn't notice that he was loving me. That's part of the disruptive force. But that's what's just like such a powerful force to tune into, to then say, it's, it's the most cleansing, if you're, if you're doing it with awareness, it's the most cleansing vehicle for your soul. But we're not used to being loved like that around day-to-day -day human beings we're with. Uh, we can get it in nature. We can tune into it there more. Okay, but it's a, it's a rare individual who can who can bring that. So I was very blessed to to spend time with him, be on the uncomfortable tour with myself while I was with him for a while. Yeah, love is a disruptive force, and it's disruptive to our fears, it's disruptive to our programs, our ego, our emotional wounds, because it's cleansing, and it, all of that emotional pain can come out, because it's a way to hold space for it, and allow it to come out and feel like, yeah, I can let this go now, because it's, 
it's where I am in this, this new presence in this new view. And that's that's why you know love is so much of the journeys that we do in the process we do. It's hard to bring it into an audio program. It's hard to bring it into a podcast. But I try and have that feeling that I bring to the conversation or at least to these videos. And, uh, but really get to amp it up a lot. And we, we share it all with each other on, on the retreats, like in Mexico and Antwerp. That's That's the value, I think, of Yeah, not doing it all by yourself. Basically. Not doing it yeah. I think because yeah. if you if you think about where we learn these distorted programs of fear and behavior and valuing our worth from other people and all of that, it was from other people. It was from those distorted belief systems and programs we got from other people. And so what we go entail, we create a big bubble with each other. Like, okay, we're gonna love and support each other unconditionally. You're going to be in that bubble and you get to experience what that's like for a week. And then it's like all of this other stuff and the way you used to live and behave looks like nonsense. You're like, I don't ever want to do that again. And you get to experience like there's something else. There's another way to live and be with myself and feel and be with other people and be open and honest and be completely accepted. And it's like that experience is is like I think we all have a sense of our in ourselves like this is this is what we're seeking. We couldn't define it. We're like to be unconditionally loved and accepted just the way you are, just as you are, allows you to let go of all those programs so quickly. And it's like, oh, I don't need them. I don't need them. Because I'm already accepted, I'm already loved, and I won't be rejected. Therefore, I don't need these, these programs. It makes it easy to let them go. Still uncomfortable. Still you're going to cry for seeing them for how you lived your life with them. But you're That's like, okay, I can live this way now. I know this is possible and this is what I want. Yeah, because you have a new... Way you know already a different way to live, and that makes it less scary. That makes it possible. Yeah, it's like okay, that's now possible. This is how I want to be all the time. Well, we've had so much time, so much fun. Sorry, that I need to go because we've had so much time. <laughs> we could. This is really good. We'll leave it here. Does that, yeah. does that help help clarify questions something about the soul's journey? No. <laughs> no, it was I think it was no, it just clarifies our journey. Forget the idea of the soul or just our journey and in the lifetime and how how to do it and a lot of the aspects of it. We'll get to that some other time. And also I want to speak with you more about emotional pain. I think there's more to I'm so exciting for people. But no, there's more to unpack on that. That is um, deep. That's that's I think, and how that relates to the belief system. Yes. Yes. Okay. And I'd say that for people who are interested in some of the things we talked about, that 
releasing emotions. It's a single audio. You can get to my website courses. And the recapitulation is hugely helpful for the energy and extracting some of that history and changing programs. And then, of course, the self-mastery course. Those courses are what I really hope people are interested about actually doing the work, getting the changes. Okay, we will talk some more. It's key. Thank you. Love you, Gary. You. I love you, Daniel. Thank you for being stoic. <laughs> Stoically <laughs> loving. <laughs> You're not really stoic. I didn't think so. Not anymore. Not so rigorous. More playful. It's fun. This is Gary Van Warmerdam, and this has been the Awareness and Consciousness Podcast from PathwayToHappiness.com with an interview with Gary Van Warmerdam by Daniel Moore about the soul's journey through emotions and some of the skills you need to navigate that, pitfalls to look out for, and how to get out of it. If you want to go deeper into your own consciousness and greater happiness, you can find coursework so it'll teach you the skills to do that, to deal with your own mind, to change beliefs in the self-mastery courses at my website, pathwaytohappiness.com. And I particularly recommend the self-mastery coursework and the recapitulation series are the two places to start. Peace be with you.